Dr. Harlow Shapley, Faculty Club, Berkeley, California. Program Committee National Academy proposes debate between you and Herbert Curtis on subject scale of the universe at Washington meeting, April 26 or 27. 45 minutes each, honorarium for each speaker, $150. Hope you will wire acceptance to Abbott, Smithsonian Institution, and inform me, George E. Hale, February 19, 1920. This may not sound like the most important telegram ever, and it, it probably isn't, but this was a telegram that led to no less than two astronomers publicly facing off in what we now call the Great Debate. I'm Samuel Hansen. You're listening to the Science Sparring Society. In 1920, astronomers didn't have access to orbiting telescopes like the Hubble or massive radio telescopes like the Very Large Array. But their equipment was more than powerful enough to know that our universe was large. No, not just large, but gigantic. The problem was that no one was sure just how large the universe or even our galaxy was, or whether the universe contained any galaxies beyond our own, or just where in the Milky Way the Earth and our solar system even happened to be. These are not small questions. These are big questions. These are questions that are trying to answer the age-old conundrum of what the importance and place of the human race is in this universe we live in. Barely centuries before, people were being accused of heresy and spending years under house arrest for saying that the Earth was at the center of the solar system. And now people were stating that our solar system may not be at the center of the galaxy, and not only that, there may be other galaxies, meaning ours is just one of many. As I was saying, these are big questions. There were many models of just our galaxy at, at this point. Some of them were large and, and some of them were small. Some had our solar system in the center and some didn't. In the end, it was good that there was so much disagreement or there wouldn't have been anything to debate. The debate occurred on the 26th of April, 1920. The participants are Howard Shapley, then of Mount Wilson Observatory, and Herbert Curtis, then of Lick Observatory. Shapley's model of the universe contained a single and very, very large galaxy. In fact, he felt that the spiral nebula that appeared as though they might be galaxies themselves were only islands within his single continental galaxy. And our solar system was definitely not in the middle of his continent. Curtis, on the other hand, was a believer in the existence of multiple galaxies, and his Milky Way was not only much smaller than what Shapley was suggesting, but our solar system was also centered within it. The debate was not structured as one would normally imagine, two speakers at a stage rebutting each other's points. Instead, having agreed on the points that they were going to discuss, 
Each speaker gave a separate talk that included their responses to the other's stances within. Thankfully, since we're looking back at this debate from decades in the future, we can look at the topics they discuss and declare a winner. Well, we could if we were all astronomers. Thankfully, Virginia Trimble of the University of California, Irvine, is an astronomer and did just that in her paper, the 1920 Shapley-Curtis Discussion, for the publications of the Astronomical Society of the Pacific. So, let's hear the judge's decision. Quiet down! Quiet! Quiet down! We have just watched the Shapley versus Curtis debate. The judge has made her decisions on a round-by-round round basis. Let us get right down to them. Round one, F, G, and K stars in globular clusters. Oh, the judge gives the points to Shapley. Round two, B stars in globular clusters. Oh, oh, that one's a draw, that hurts. Round three, Cepheids as distance indicators. Oh, oh, it's another draw, another draw. Round four. Spectroscopic parallaxes in general. Oh, it's another point to Shapley. Shapley, after four rounds, is up two to nothing over Curtis. Round five, interpretation of star counts. Oh, Curtis takes it. Curtis gets his first points in round five. Round six, stellar evolution theory. Oh, it's a squeaker, but the judge gives the points to Curtis. We are all tied up. Round seven. Distribution of spiral nebula on the sky. Oh, oh, Curtis almost gets the points, but oh, no one gets any. No one gets any points here. Round eight, Nova brightness at maximum light. Oh, and the point goes to Mr. Curtis, who is now up by one. Round nine, Nova mechanisms again to Curtis. Round 10, the large average velocities of the spiral nebula. No points for anyone here. No points. Still 2-4. Still 2-4 to Curtis. Round 11, properties of galaxies, surface brightness. Oh, it's another no-pointer. Our debaters have to come out stronger than that. Round 12, properties of galaxies, color and line spectra. Oh, it goes to Curtis. He is pulling away. It's now him, 5, Shapley 2. Round 13, central locations of the sun. It's a winner for Shapley, 3-5. Let's see if he can bring it back in round 14. Round 14, rotational proper motions of spirals as measured by Van Manen. Oh, it's a winner for Curtis and a loss for both Shapley and Van Manen. And the debate ends. Shapley, three points. And our winner, Herbert Curtis with six. Now, I am sure that that is not what Virginia Trimble meant for anyone to do with her write-up of these discussion points, but it is human nature to think that if one debater gets three of the topics correct and the other gets six, then the one who gets six should get the win. In this case, Curtis should get the win. But remember, there was really three important points on discussion at this debate. The size of the galaxy, the existence of 
other galaxies and our location within the Milky Way. Looking at these points, Curtis's galaxy was too small and Shapley's was too big. Within five years, Shapley received a letter from none other than Hubble himself that caused him to exclaim to a student, here is the letter that destroyed my universe. Because as it turned out, Curtis was correct about the existence of other galaxies, but we also now know that Shapley definitely had the correct reasoning when it came to the location of our solar system within the galaxy. So in the end, both of our debaters can come away knowing that they got at least one of the major points correct. The Great Debate was really not that great at the time. As Trimble wrote, the participants continued corresponding, but the press, even the scientific press, was rather silent about the whole thing. By the time of Curtis's death in 1942, it had so slipped people's minds that it wasn't even in his obituary. And in Shapley's 1969 autobiography, he stated that he had forgotten about the whole thing for a rather long time. It wouldn't stay forever buried, though, and starting with some restagings of the debate at the University of Wisconsin around 1950. The debate seemed to increase in importance, so much so that in 1995, a debate about the distance scale of gamma-ray bursts was held in commemoration. Today, with our great power of hindsight, we can now look back at the Shapley-Curtis discussion about the scale of the universe and know that it truly was the great debate. <laughs>